Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that couple shouting, it's Dinger and Jay. It's Dinger and Jay. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. Paul Anderson here, Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you on a massive game week here. It is our game preview show for Bengals, Chiefs, Burrow, Mahomes, Part 3. The trilogy were some of the best. The third, we spent spent on Tuesday a little bit. I was bemoaning Karate Kid 3 and beyond. What are some of the best thirds? I haven't really thought about that before. I have to, that might, that's a good trivia question to drop on people that are just tuning in immediately. Get the wheels churning before you get your Bengals knowledge from us. Was Rocky 3 good? I can't remember what the good ones and the bad ones were. It was no 4. That's for sure. It was fine. It was it was it, it was good. I, we have to bring in our good friend Joe Daniman, who is a local expert on all things Rocky rankings. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was no four, which is uh, what matters. Maybe maybe Burrow Mahomes four, if it comes this year, would be up to the level of uh, Rocky Drago, without question. Uh, plenty of time to get to all of that. But we've got uh, we've got a lot to talk about, Jay. There's yes. a lot going on. We got Twitter beef. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, as I if this week it. needed anything more. I love it. I was just I'm just so happy that we now have Twitter beef. It's great. <laughs> I need more of this in my life. Uh, spe- have any time you have to break out Urban Dictionary to figure out what they're yelling at each other about, you know <laughs> that we're in good Twitter beef. And that's where we're at right now is Jamar Chase and a very confused Justin Reed uh, exchange words. We'll talk about that. We'll read the thread. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what – I want to play one of my favorite games, which is Imagine If You Will. I like playing Imagine If You Will. We're going to play that. Nate Taylor, our good friend from Kansas City, a uh, friend of the program, is back to join us again. Uh, to talk about all things Chief, the evolution of the Chiefs since the Bengals beat them twice uh, at the end of last season, including the AFC Championship game. So a lot to get to there. We're going to get into a lot of game talk here. Um, what's Luana Rumo going to do? What is, what is the best thing to do? Uh, we're going to talk a little about what we think the defining factors in this game will be, including one area that you have heard a lot and read a lot about from us this week. Uh, we will get into our segments, Arby's run past our boots, Bengals growler bets, prediction, of course. We'll have all of that stuff for you and more. Uh, Jay has a story up right now on the Ted Karras viral video, which is just fantastic. And Karras in general, just becoming <laughs> a character 
Uh, <laughs> it is it is great. I hope you enjoyed uh, talking to people and talking to Ted about that as much as I did reading it and watching the viral video an 18th time. <laughs> Up yours is a... Uh I don't know. It, it, it's he's kind of bringing that one back. I have not heard that. Make as seven a, up yours. Not since the make seven up yours yeah. campaign has it been so uh, forcefully thrust upon us. <laughs> it's it, it is interesting. I, I I don't know. I asked Brian Callahan about it yesterday. If you know if if someone told him one of his players told an entire state to f off, where would Ted Karras be on that list? Uh, if, how many c- incorrect guesses would he have to have before he got to, to Ted <laughs> Karras? And he said, not many. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that did not surprise him at all. Uh, one thing I appreciate, I, I, one thing I noted from that video was that how it looked so much like a, like a mid card, late nineties pay-per-view <laughs> heel villain exit. Uh, when he was going off, you know, it's the way he was yelling and screaming and you, everybody booed him. Well, uh, uh, as you might expect, since these shirts already has the Karis 316 shirts up for like a stone as a stone cold, he's got a lot of stone cold vibes. Who is never really a heel, but does does fit Ted Karras. So I appreciate since these shirts all also on top of it. And no surprise, right next to that, the they got to play us shirt is available at since these right. shirts now. Uh, Josh Sneed and the crew always on top of stuff over there. We said it. We said it on Tuesday. That's going to be a shirt. Oh uh, yeah. Minor apology. Minor, major apology. I don't know. Apology. I, I I don't know how I messed this up. I really don't. I I don't know how I didn't get this correct. I mean, maybe I just was listening to Ted Karras yell so many times. That was not <laughs> Ted Karras that yelled. They got to play us. That was a uh, d- defensive coach, Mark Duffner, who apparently is a raging maniac after post game wins, like in the best way possible. I've been told by a couple of people that it's just. Uh, he's awesome uh, and very loud like that a lot after games. He sounds just like Ted Karras when Ted Karras yells, uh, and that's how I got that wrong, but it was actually Mark Duffner uh, who yelled, they got to play us very loud in that video that is now also, uh, as you might imagine, a shirt. So I uh, wanted to make sure we get that out of the way. Uh, I have um, a feature up on Cam Taylor Britt. Uh, Mo had, we had the screenshot from Mo from our Tuesday show about uh, the Cam Taylor Britt game. I think that's true. I, I think he. I think yeah. he is going to be a focus not just this week, but as the as it now turns to great quarterbacks. This was the concern: is how will he hold up in coverage, which is not wasn't his strength area coming out of that was the area they felt like he had to work on. It was the one box that wasn't totally checked. Everything else, man, he's got it all right. Um, but it's been working in that. Luan Rumo's referred it to a couple times as a work in progress. He has mentioned that a couple times he said, don't ever do that again as Cam Taylor Britt comes <laughs> off the field. And he is going to be tested, man. He's going to be tested yeah. down the stretch here to see how he can hang against the best quarterbacks and how it goes. Um, they hope it continues to trend in the direction of the Tennessee game. But his backstory, uh, how his family has sort of shaped him and kind of he's been built in a lot of ways for this moment. Uh, is was a, a really interesting one. I wanted to thank uh, Courtney uh, and uh, Daryl Britt for chatting with me and sharing some great insight into Cam and Cam for spending a bunch of time with me. And uh, it was a a good story and a, and a, I I hope it was a good story. I don't know if it was or not, but uh, it was very nice to talk to them and uh, hope that people enjoy that. Really, I it's been surprising because you thought when Cheeto went down, uh oh. And it's it's not just Cam Taylor, but Eli Apple has raised his game as well. Oh, yeah. He's he's 
given up some, but he, he had a couple really nice breakups against the Titans and, um, you know, Lou talking about how, you know, this, they were traveling Cheeto. Now Eli can just concentrate on one side, uh, Cam Taylor Britt on the other. And that, it, that has been one of the most surprising things over the, the last month is this past defense since, since Cheeto went out. But they haven't faced a dude. No. You know? And that's it. Like I, he, he. This is this is the first ta- real test, and as hard of a test as it gets. I mean, that's not mm. that's not a knock. None of this is a knock. It's a, every single rookie cornerback in this league is going to get humbled by the best quarterbacks in this league when they first see them. And it's about how you learn from it. It's about how you weather the storm. That was Lou Anarumo's message to about Cam Taylor Britt was. Look, you're, they're going to complete balls on you. They're going to make plays on you. You just it's it's going to be an the ultimate yards, not points game. Weather mm-hmm. the storm, make the next play. You know you 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 have to view it that way, and then, so that'll be a big part of that. But anyway, much more up there on him, and we'll get more into that as we get into the uh, defense portion of the program. Um, injuries, not much. In fact, almost none. The Bengals are rounding back into health. If all goes as to plan with Mixon now back, Jamar Chase going to be back, um, at least that all signs point to that, you will have 21 of 22 offensive and defensive starters from the opening day out there against the Chiefs in December. <laughs> I mean, it's just so rare. It's so hard to do. And now the idea that they're doing it two years in a row at this point um, is pretty insane. The last time we talked about good health on this show, though, Jay, uh, it all went to crap. So uh, I won't go deep into that subject, but it is noted again. And it's I, I do remember looking this up, I don't know, around week seven, week eight. I was curious because not just the overall health, but the O-line health. And when was the last time the Bengals had an offensive line that every guy started every game for 20, the first whatever it was? Seven, eight. Yeah, and I, I think if I remember right – the there was one year I know there was one year when they started every game and that was way it was a long time ago Munoz Montoya era if I remember right the next next highest was eleven so going into this game the twelfth game that would be the second most in in franchise history it's it's hard to overstate how important that is especially when you got all these new guys and they need to be playing together they need to be building this chemistry and you're seeing it. They they are getting better each week, and yeah, I mean, last year we we thought it was going to come back around. They were so fortunate with injuries last year that this year the the law of averages would catch up, and it has not. It's it's been one major one, but it's still been really really positive on that front. Well, I mean they've 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 gotten through them. I mean there have been yeah, big Chase, ones, yes. but and now they're the fact that they're coming back for the stretch run into this into this portion of health reader. Chase, obviously, Uze. We, we've talked about some of the ones that they have battled through. The line, in particular, staying healthy has been absolutely massive. Uh, there is there is no question about that. Um, and so, yeah, I just the way that it's kind of coming back together at just the right time uh, is such a big deal. Um, speaking of health, let's talk about Jamar Chase. So we spoke to Jamar Chase on Wednesday, first press conference he's done since his injury. And, you know, it reminded me how much I enjoyed hearing from Jamar. He's just a jovial sort. Uh, and and he's not afraid to say whatever. 
Like, I mean, I go back to his second game ever. Or after the loss to Chicago, he's like, man, they got to be throwing the ball deep to me more. What are we doing not throwing the ball deep to me more? You know, like, like <laughs> he's, he's just, he's kind of confident in his skin, confident in himself, confident in his opinions, and willing to say whatever. And we don't really hear players like to get too detailed about their injuries, um, specifically serious ones when you get into areas like hips um, and things like that. But he very much laid everything out. I have a thread I put up on Twitter that was kind of 12 parts of how he talked us through every step of what has happened since he first sustained this injury. And some of the high points, you can go and read that if you want to, but some of the high points were essentially that he sustained the hairline hip fracture, which we reported initially, um, against the saints it was in a touchdown where he actually does that goofy i'm hurt dance which is ironic because he didn't know he was hurt but he was hurt on that play uh but sort of hyper extended his knee which jarred up into his hip and, and caused the fracture they believe and so he's, he, he said he could like hardly stand or walk hardly do anything on that wednesday when they were going in to go lift and told the trainers like man i gotta back off i can't i'm too stiff to do anything but by the end of the week, felt pretty good. Then looked incredible against Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, just running away from dudes with a hairline hip fracture, apparently. And then hurt Jumping into right. the stands. You're right, jumping the stands. And right before halftime, he goes down um, and said he you know, felt a pop and all this stuff and knew something. But he came back and played because he said, I don't know why. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. That's what he said. Uh, but but he went out and wanted to keep playing. And turns out that's when they went and got the second opinion. And that turned up the fracture. The interesting thing is they didn't find the fracture or look for the fracture after the New Orleans game. And it's kind of the interesting part about the, the timeline that he laid out there. Um, and then it obviously gets worse after the injury against Atlanta. You know, he, he they had targeted potentially this Tennessee game to come back. He was at, basically made it sound like he's the one that told everybody back off. I'm not comfortable. I want to be 100%. I'm not going to push it. I'm going to be thinking about myself, my long term. He spent a lot of time getting totally, totally away from football, thinking about the mental aspect of the game, which I thought was very revealing and honest about, you know, how he really had to reflect on what he's doing and what he can and can't take for granted and what's important and looking out for himself a little bit. And he, he seems to have done that in not going early, which is the right thing. We said this from the very beginning, Jay. Like, they got to be careful with this. There is no reason to come back and try to push early to get into one extra game. It's like, stop it. This You need this dude for the long haul. And it sounds like Chase was certainly – and I'm not saying the Bengals weren't because he's mm-hmm. he made it clear these were all conversations they were all having together but you don't you rarely hear players being the ones to openly dial themselves back and it sounds like Chase was a driver of that yeah and it it worked out for him really well you it, w- it wouldn't sound like that playing a team that was the number 1 seed last year and a team that's in first place now but it was that Tennessee game it if Chase played in that game, I'm not sure it would have looked much different. You just knew it was going to be that kind of a grinded out, tough game. And it's crazy to say you don't need Jamar Chase, but you know there there are other teams on the schedule that if they had been there, there it would have felt more pressing to that you would have really wanted to get him in that game. And it just it it played out nicely for them that that he was able to sit out that game. They were still able to win it. They probably win it by a similar score if he plays in that game. 
And you're right. You don't hear they all. I mean, how many times does a guy say, I'll be fine. I'll play on Sunday after he gets hurt on the previous Sunday. And then he goes on IR or he misses a couple games. And um, this was a, a totally different situation. And you, I mean, you have to think about the long term. He is still on a rookie deal, and he knows there's a massive contract coming. Why risk anything that's going to affect your your long term earning potential? And does one sitting out one extra game mean that much? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But if a guy like that doesn't feel comfortable, no reason to push him out there. Yeah i i would I would concur with that. And it's just it's nice to hear that perspective from a player because mm-hmm. players often are the ones um, and coaches. I think coaches and players get too caught up in the week to week, and there needs to be somebody else, people in the room that are able to back everybody away from that because you know they're out there playing, coaching for their lives, for their careers, to stick around, whatever it is. Um, I just, I just think that it's, it's nice to hear a little bit of perspective was had by all parties and, and Chase being a part of mm-hmm. that. Um, but he did say, look, feeling good now, uh, feel great. No pains, no, no, nothing bad or else he wouldn't be practicing at all. Felt like he was doing good cutting last week. Just wanted to be sure. Wanted to be hundred percent comfortable and feels like it now he, he's pre practiced limited on Wednesday, but I think, all signs point to a full expectation of playing on Sunday. Will it be a full slate? Will it be a pitch count? Um, that, I think, is to be determined on how Chase feels. I think they'll go into it and see how it goes. I think the thought is that he'll play a, a, a lot, most, but I think it's going to come back to how he feels in Thursday's practice, which is their real big one of the week, how he feels as he gets out there in pregame, all that stuff. And if he's feeling good, feeling great, how are you? Uh, I would expect Chase to do the whole dang thing because, um, well, partially because of what we're about to talk about next. <laughs> Big game. They're going to need game. him every snap they can Big get. Big game and the and the talking trash has already begun on Twitter beat, <laughs> which we love. All right, let's just take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you want to have one more point on the Jamar topic and I'll let it go? We've, something we talked about at the beginning of this, I think, has come to fruition a little bit. Uh, I, I referenced 
a piece written by Matt Gelb in Philadelphia about the Phillies and their season and about how when Bryce Harper went out for a long period of time, people thought it would be the death of the Phillies. It actually was the rebirth of them. It made everybody else uncomfortable. It made everybody else develop what they can do more. It, it rounded out their entire team. And then, then when they dropped Harper back into it, they really took off and made their run to the World Series. Baseball is not football. I'm not apples to oranging this thing. The concept plays here, though. I do think what the Bengals offense has been forced to do, make a lot of people uncomfortable, make a lot of people think outside of the box, make a lot of different people have to do different things has made them better, has made that. I think it was very, it's very easy when you have that dude and you have Burrow Chase as that combo for both sides and everyone to just kind of softly just fall into that trap of throw it to number one. You know, we, we joked about it, right? Everyone in the building knows when it's man coverage, where it's going. <laughs> and no one's hiding it, okay? I think getting out of that comfort zone a little bit has made them much better, has made them a, a much better offense, and now you can drop Chase back into it. Maybe you don't fall immediately into that crutch, no pun intended, and you are actually, you know, you you you, you evolve to a higher level. And now, I mean, Trent Irwin's snaps are obviously going to go down with Chase back, but he goes into that wide receiver four role where Mike Thomas was. Not that Joe Burrow didn't have confidence in Trent Irwin before, but it's whatever level it was at before, it's way higher now. I mean, Trent Irwin has really played well these last few games. Um, so having Chase back won, they, they, they win three in a row without him. Um, one and a half of those games, no mix in either. You're right. I, I, I think that's a great analogy um, that who knows now you, you bring him back and it just there's a ripple effect. It's not just him all, all taken off the top of the defense and him being the, the number one guy on this offense. It's all the other pieces that have stepped up that are now building their own confidence. And it's it's going to be interesting to see I, what, what this run looks like now that he's back and and how everybody settles into kind of new adjusted roles. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow sat down yesterday and was kind of asked about Patrick Mahomes and said, um, Mahomes is the best right now. He's the best in the game. He's the best to do it. He does it differently than anybody else. You know, it was just glowing as you would expect to be. And it's not hard to be glowing about Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. um, and then a little bit later, other words were spoken from the Kansas City side. Uh, it came from safety Justin Reed, who was talking, and it was it wasn't just what he said. It was the total disrespect in that I have not even taken the time to learn y'all's names. Okay, I don't care what your name is. Who's that guy with Higgy Hig? What is that? B Hig B her. Is it Higgins? Who's number eighty? Is eighty five? Eighty eight? Like the fact that it's like. I have not even taken the time to learn the names of T. Higgins, who got two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And, you know, all of these guys, just the whole, it was just a disrespectful feel of all of it. And then I'm going to lock him down, right? And he ain't even a good blogger mm -hmm. talking about Hurst. Set off, knew it would, uh, into the Bengals locker room. And uh, Jamar Chase, of all people, uh, is 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 on board with going and going after this. So it started, we're going to read you a thread because it's Twitter beef. We love a Twitter beef. We love it. <laughs> uh, Justin Reed comes back and says, to be honest, I meant Hayden Hurst for the man matchups. Nonetheless, any and everybody still getting locked up. 
Okay. Jamar Chase, let's put some money on it big time with eyeballs. Calling him big time. I like I like calling somebody big time. It's not yeah. it's no bub. Like <laughs> I still, you know, we all know that bub is a number one disrespectful term. Uh but I I, I like calling somebody big time. Uh Justin Ray, y'all welcome for the extra motivation. I'ma see you Sunday. Champ. Champ further down the list, but I like <laughs> champ. I, I like champ. It's still disrespectful, but it's 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 again, it's no bub, it's no big time. Uh and then Jamar Chase came back with tuna in a can with a cat emoji, which forced some of us to use Urban Dictionary. If you choose to do that, go ahead. I'm not gonna try to figure out what exactly he meant by that. Clear your browser history if you do, <laughs> do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it on the work computer. Uh, so we have that, right? And then you have DJ Reader kind of dropped in with a got to know your personnel better to be making promises uh, on on PJ, on uh, this uh, Justin Reed t- chatter. Um, Tyler Boyd came in. What did he, he do? He went skunk and laughing, right? Laughing emoji yeah. and a skunk, yes. I love it. This is where rival. This is what rivalries are about, right? Like people that just stumble into a villain role, uh, and it just it just adds on to everything. It just adds on to everything, and uh, I, I'm I'm here for all of this. It's just funny because you you would think there would be a li- a little bit of uh, this coming from someone that was actually on the Chiefs last year and suffered those two losses mm-hmm. to the Bengals, and that's not the case with Justin Reed. He played the first four years of his career in Houston. He is a DJ Reader former teammate, and uh, he has never played the Bengals. In 2020, the Bengals played the Texans, and Justin Reed was on IR then. So he has never uh, actually broken down Bengals film and, and played the Bengals, but still, DJ Reader's right. you you got to know your personnel better. And that's why I think a lot of times you you when players talk about opponents, they always use the numbers. Because a lot of times they don't know the names and they just see the numbers on film and they they know, you know, we got to do this to one. We got to do this to 85. Um, it, it was the bravado of it and followed by not knowing names at all. It was a, a comical video. And I'm sure Justin Reed wishes that was not out there right now. You know what this gave me, Jay? This gave me What's big that? Wink Martindale vibes. Yeah. You know, like, look, that stuff resonates. It does. I mean, Wink Martindale didn't even mean to do it, okay? Wink Martindale just said, hey, let's not go putting a gold jacket on Joe Burrow, just that. And next thing you know, he's running it up for 525 (laughs) and talking about it in the postgame in a Krusty Krab sweatshirt and a Santa hat, okay? Like, this is just, you know, you're you're, you're just these, these dudes, and Burrow in particular, man, you get you you give that one little extra. Not that they needed it. Not anybody needed it. But it it's it can turn, man, and it can it can really light a fire. And I I think it's something. I think it's something. I think it gave just the fire that uh, could have even could have added to this. I and and it's fun. And it's fun. It's fun. I enjoy it. I, I'm not a big what they're wearing to games and the whole walk-in thing. But how great would it be if, if Hayden Hurst, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins all walked in in Tyler Higby jerseys 
love on, it on Sunday. Love it. Or maybe Joe wears one to the post game press conference. Now that now see now there you are. That's what it is. <laughs> it's he's got one, and if they win the Higby jersey coming out, yeah, you got. I mean, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. Um, either way, if they win, that's going to be some must see TV uh, on Burrow and on Chase. And really just about any of them, actually. Either way. Um, okay. I want to play Imagine If You Will, then we'll get to Nate Taylor. Okay. Here's my thoughts, my initial thoughts on this game. Is Imagine If You Will is perfect for this. Imagine, if you will, life after the Bengals win. Bengals beat the Chiefs. Okay. Eight and four. Chiefs are nine and three. Now, I don't know if they're chasing if they're ca- catching the Chiefs, but you're think you're it's reality. It's a possibility. They've got a tiebreaker. They got the head to head on the Chiefs. They're one game back. They've beaten them. You can't be higher than they would be having won four in a row, beaten Tennessee and Kansas City back to back, three and zero against Mahomes. Like, bring, take on all comers. Cleveland's coming the next week. Like, you are feeling like you're it. You're the team to beat. Number one seed is the talk, right? That's where you're mm-hmm. at. That's where the conversation lives if you win. Now, imagine, if you will, if you lose. Seven and five. We'll see what Baltimore does in, the, in a game that where eight points will be scored against the Broncos. Uh <laughs> And you're still in that same mix that you were in before. You lost a game against a good, a very good team. It's going to be the number one seed. You probably learn a lot about yourself in the process of maybe where, if you're missing something to where Kansas City is now to adjust for a potential future matchup or whatever. And here comes Cleveland. Go win that game. You, you have still have a good chance of, of winning the North, getting a home game. Um, and that's, you know, the difference between two, three and four seed is not that significant anymore with the, the only the one team getting the buy. It takes the buy out. It takes a chance to be number one seed out. But outside of that, you're kind of living the same life you were right. House money game, Jay, right? Exactly. It feel that, that's and that's the best kind of game to be in. Go out there, play loose. This team should be able to let it go and see what happens. Yeah, because if you do lose, you snap that three-game losing streak. They fall a little bit short. They still have never had a four-game winning streak over with under Zach. Uh, that would be in play. The win or lose, Cleveland is a you would think a classic trap game, but with the success the Browns have had against the Bengals, they're not they're not going to go into that game lightly. They they it, especially with Deshaun Watson back. It is. It's it's there's. There's so many times this year when the, the Bengals have played poorly, all the the people that are riding high, the whole, the fan base, it just plummets. It just it's oh season's over or they're not as good as they were last year, not as good as we thought they were. And I don't unless they get blown out, I don't see that happening against the Chiefs. They're it, it I, I'm trying to think of another term, but house money is the ultimate term for what this game is, and. Even if, if they win it and they they still don't 
get the number one seed. They still don't catch Baltimore. They're pretty much going to have to surpass Baltimore because even if they finish even with them, they're not going to win the division. But it is a big deal to to be the highest wild card and avoid playing the two or the three. You're going to get the four seed, which would be the, the obviously the, the division winner with the worst record. And the way this team has played on the road, the way they played on the road in the playoffs last year, I don't think it would be tough. To, to go, win three straight road games to make another Super Bowl, but just going into that that first game, that first playoff game on the road against the worst division winner, that's that's not a, a hard situation. So it is. There's everything to be gained and, and very very little to be lost in this game on Sunday. Yeah, it's still playing the line. I mean, this it's uh, I mean it's still a big game. It's still important either way. I mean, whatever. But I just think it's you know. I think it's mu- you're exactly right. It's much more about where you could end up than it is where you would fall mm. if you if you don't win. I mean, you don't want to go out and look silly and look like you don't belong in the same field, but I, that is the last thing I would expect to see. I don't think we've seen no. anything to this point this season that makes you believe uh, that you would see something like that. I, and so um, as confident as they're playing, as well as they're playing, um, it feels like the perfect time for this this game to uh, to set them off and 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 recalibrate the expectations for mm-hmm. for the season for the postseason setup for everything it can it just like last year did in that respect that week 17 win it, it changed the perspective of everything you're in you can reset and think about man you can feel like you can do anything at this point if you can beat those guys because uh they're at the top right now all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor let's talk about the team that is at the top right now. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, And to do that, Jay, you caught up with our good friend, Nate Taylor, who's been covering them as well as you can uh, in Kansas City for a long time. So here's uh, Jay's conversation with Nate Taylor. All right, let's go out to Kansas City right now and bring in friend of the program for the third time in the last (laughs) 11 months, Nate Taylor. Nate, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well, Jay. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I can't believe this game is going to be played in December. We're already, we're already down to like real legitimate, like contender type football. Yeah. I mean, it has that feel, doesn't it? It feels mm-hmm. like a playoff game coming up this weekend. It, it does. And I think, um, if anybody in the AFC wants the, the chiefs to sort of come back to the pack, it, it might pretty much hinge on this game. I don't know how many, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how often uh, Bengals fans have thought of this, but just the idea that um, as I wrote on Sunday, the the Bengals might be the last AFC opponent with a winning record left on the Chiefs schedule because the Chiefs um, have like the Texans, two meetings with the, the Broncos, and then uh, they end the season against Las Vegas. So, um, the Chiefs have just a one-game lead pretty much on everybody in in the race for the one seed in the AFC. Um, so this 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 matchup has real weight and significance to it beyond just um, what these two teams obviously went through uh, last year. And Chiefs, hot as can be. Um, I, I want, before I ask you a question, I want to give you a stat. That's kind of what I do. And okay. I thought, I, I thought this was amazing, and um, <laughs> it may be something that's talked about in Kansas City. I don't know. I doubt our listeners, viewers mm. know this, but uh, the Chiefs have won five in a row, and they've had yep. at least 437 yards in each of those five wins. 
the only team in NFL history to have six consecutive wins with at least three, 437 yards, the 2011 Saints. And only one wow. other team, the 82-83 uh, Chargers, had six games with 437 yards. They didn't win them all. So this, mm. I mean, they're in rarefied air, and it's it's crazy to think. Uh, I'll, this will be the first question here. What? How is it possible that this offense is even more dynamic without Tyreek Hill? Yeah, it's uh, you know, I think some people here in Kansas City have have not really wanted to say Tyreek's name. Um, <laughs> but I I love that like this is where we're starting, Jay, in terms of what the Chiefs have done. Um. Mahomes is just really um, efficient, methodical. Um, he's much more patient now, which is something he's talked about quite a bit this year. Um, and there's been times where I've wrote it. Uh, they've done this with three tight ends. You know, it's not just Travis Kelsey. It's a guy like Noah Gray who's in the second year of his career. Jody Fortson is one of these hybrid players where like he has tight end next to his name, but he, he also mm-hmm. played wide receiver in college. Um, and they are the most efficient. Um, when you look at the amount of trips that they've had in the red zone, they are so efficient in the red zone, um, that entering last week's game before they played the Rams, uh, they had scored the most touchdowns in the red zone and they had the highest touchdown percentage, um, going into the game. So, Mahomes understands that like every possession is obviously valuable in the NFL, but he's not really turning the ball over a ton. Um, and when they do get inside the 20s, they usually score six instead of three. Mm-hmm. Um, Bengal fans should be appreciative for what they did in the second half of that AFC championship game for the overtime, of course, uh, because when they eliminated Kelsey, it did make Mahomes, uh, I won't say it short circuited him, but it made the, it made the job a lot harder. Um, but no one's been able to figure out Kelsey this year. And no. that'll be the challenge for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's it's, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was yeah. going to say, it's interesting what you said about uh, Mahomes being more patient this year was, do you think that's a product of the Bengals dropping eight in that AFC championship game and the way they played him really in the second half of both those games? And, mm-hmm. and um, how much the number number one is the patience a product of that. Number two, uh, how much do you think it bothered Patrick all the talk about the Bengals flustering him and figuring him out? And you know, is 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 there a real revenge motive here? Not just because of the loss, but because of the way it happened and the way they yeah. made him look so unPatrick Mahomes like. The Chiefs yet again are one of the best teams on third down because Mahomes understands that even if you do blitz him, he's got the check down. Um, he's got the matchup he likes with Travis Kelsey. And then even if you play back, well, I'll extend the play and I'll give my receivers more time to get open downfield. Um, he's been exceptional this year in understanding that uh, if you're not going to give me the deep ball, I have to be comfortable with 12 play drives, 16 play drives, um, and understanding that you got to be very efficient when you get into the red zone. But Mahomes, I think, is really at like a graduate level when it comes to quarterback play. And it's fascinating because I've covered him, you know, all these five years and I can kind of watch the Bengals from afar and and sort of see the same progression happening with Burrow in a lot of ways because he has a ton of weapons. But he still has Jamar Chase, who I know Chiefs fans (laughs) are like terrified to see on Sunday. (laughs) Um, But 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 look, when it comes to the revenge factor, I don't want to scare Bengals fans. 
but they should look at what they did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know the Buccaneers <laughs> are not as talented as the yeah. as Cincinnati Bengals, but guys, that game was further. Like that that was, you know, 2 years ago when they lost in the Super Bowl, of course, when they didn't have a, you know, they didn't have their offensive line and um the game got away from them very quickly. They went to Tampa Bay and um scored more than 40 points. <laughs> and the first time the Buccaneers stopped them on a possession was when Clyde Rosalaire dropped a wide open pass on fourth down. Um, and then everybody after the game was willing to talk about how much they were motivated to get mm-hmm. some level of revenge, even though they know they can never get that Super Bowl opportunity again. So now <laughs> they have to go <laughs> on the road again to Cincinnati. And it's not just, hey, you you guys played excellent in the second half of that first matchup. Um and not only did you prevent us from obviously getting to the Super Bowl, but yeah, like I think the Chiefs felt pretty embarrassed about the way that season ended. Um, and now the same characters are involved. And that's what makes, you know, this sport so great and 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 the rivalries that are developing the AFC is that um Chris Jones will have a chance perhaps to impact Joe Burrow in the pocket. And Patrick Mahomes will have to go against, you know, Eli Apple and Bell and Bates, like all these same characters are involved. Um, but I do think the Chiefs will be very mindful of uh, trying to get some form of revenge. I think I think this is a very big game for them because I think we're all human beings and I'm sure they've right. all looked at the schedule and they realize not only are we the one seed as it stands right now, but this is perhaps the last dress rehearsal, the last test we have before they get into postseason play. Are are you expecting a straight up double of, of Jamar all afternoon? Or uh how do you think the, the, the Chiefs defense is going to approach him? Um if it were up to me, <laughs> once you get to the plus side of the field, I think it's I think it's totally fair to double Jamar mm-hmm. Chase. And I understand that T. Higgins is pretty much a night a matchup nightmare for any team just because um if he's the number two receiver, he's often better than the number two cornerback. Um, and I know that, you know, hey, what Hayden Hurst has added, I think, has been really cool to watch yeah. because it's it's helped them get through the middle of the field a little bit better. Like they can actually get to the 20s um, and yet they're still having splash, you know, splash plays. Um, I would double Jamar Chase anywhere near midfield and, and beyond. Uh, will the Chiefs do that? Not sure. Not sure, Jay. Um, <laughs> Steve Spagnolo doesn't want to tell you what the coverage is. Yeah. Um, and sometimes he tells you that because here comes the blitz and like hope you see it before we get there. Um, but I think the Chiefs have three rookie cornerbacks, Jay. It you can't hide them. Not not yeah. with this offense. And they've done a fabulous job of saying, hey, like. You know, sometimes we play back. Sometimes we want you to press um, and just see if we can run with them. Um, the Chiefs drafted Trick McDuffie with the 18th pick, I believe, or the 21st pick. Excuse me. Um, and he's a cornerback from Washington. He's about my height, which is also an itch issue. But he's got really good ball skills. He's fluid. Um, and then they drafted Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams, which are prototypical tall kind of Richard Sherman-like press man corners. Um, 
the only team that I can compare the Bengals to on offense to who the Chiefs have played this season are the Buffalo Bills. Now, this will be a good test to see the growth of the Chiefs secondary because the 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 Bills didn't score 30, but they also didn't stop Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs mm-hmm. and Dawson Knox from having touchdowns. So it's like at some point you got to take somebody away. Um, and I'm wondering if this version of the Chiefs secondary can do that or if it's going to be much of like last year where it's like, well, there's still DeMar Chase, there's still T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd can obviously get involved as well. Um, but I, I get the sense that um, the Chiefs might give Jamar Chase one chance to prove it. And then if he proves it, which I expect him probably to do, then the Chiefs may have to acknowledge that we need to we need to shift coverage towards him. And interesting, as you say, I mean, McDuffie, rookie uh, or three rookie corners for the Chiefs, Bengals rolling with rookie Cam Taylor Britt. I mean. Mm-hmm. Having rookie cornerbacks in a Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes uh, matchup does not bode well for uh, people. Either side, bet. <laughs> yeah, if you like, don't bet the under. Uh, you know, I think Trent McDuffie is very good. There's no one in the Pac-12 like Jamar Chase. Like, there's just uh, sorry, like there isn't. Mm-hmm. And as much as Stefan Diggs is really good in how he gets his yardage, um, Jamar Chase can do that and more. So yeah. this is this is the test. When the Chiefs decided, hey, we don't want Tyron Matthew anymore. We need somebody younger who can do similar things. Okay, they they signed Justin Reed in the offseason as like their big free agency move. Okay, well, we're going to let the cornerbacks that got beat last year, and those are the guys that, you know, couldn't do it in times in the playoffs, which is why we didn't get to the Super Bowl. We're going to bring in all new cornerbacks and see if those guys at a younger age with some perhaps plus athleticism if they can hold up in one-on-one opportunities or at least track the ball better um, when Joe Burrow throws up those those deep shots near the sideline. Um, it's it's going to be great because I think the whole game comes down to who can make that one or two defensive plays and, like, is the first team that gets to 30, are they the, are they the team that wins? Can you get mm-hmm. to 30 even though both of these teams can, you know, beat you with – Splash plays, but could also just matriculate the ball and just take clock and just eat and eat and eat and just, you know, um, beat you with jabs all the way down the field. Let's let's end it with this. Do you have a prediction for Sunday, (laughs) a score and a winner? I do. Um, I just want to remind people, like the two losses, like Bengals, I love you guys. Can't wait to be there on Sunday. Um, Bengals fans. I, I just have to remind people that like, the Chiefs lead the league in points, so you have to score 30. That's just a given. Like, you just have to do it. Bare minimum. Or, or you need the Chiefs to self-combust. Um, that's happened once this year to the to the Indianapolis Colts in week three. Um, I don't know how they lost that game. I mean, I, I know how they lost. They <laughs> turned the ball over. They had special teams gaffes. Um, and Matt Ryan, you know, kind of duped Chris Jones into a, um, a, a penalty that kept their game-winning drive going. Um, the other loss is to the Buffalo Bills when they were healthy, when Von Miller kind of took over the game in the fourth quarter. Um, so that was a 24-20 game. Um, it was back and forth. Josh Allen was incredible, which is what Joe Burrow is going to have to be. 
Um, mm-hmm. So y- you can beat them, but you're gonna have to beat them. And you're, and in my opinion, you're probably gonna have to score thirty. Like the odds of the Chiefs not scoring in the high twenties to low thirties. I don't know, Jay. I my prediction. Um, and this is early, and we don't know what the injury situation will be throughout practice. So, like, I guess this is somewhat spicy, Jay, but I, I guess I'll say Chiefs 30, Bengals 26. I, I hey, The Jacoby Brissett and Kenny Pickett put up 30 on this defense. I think Ooh. Patrick Mahomes can do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, how, did, this how is- did Pickett do that, by the way? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but they they can't surprise them anymore, and that's that's the one downside. It's like the Bengals were really talented, and yet they still surprised the Chiefs um, because the Chiefs were looking at, hey, we gotta we gotta stay above Dem, you know, we gotta stay above Denver, we gotta stay above L.A., we gotta stay above Buffalo, um, and then the Bengals the Bengals did the did what they were supposed to do. They they st- stayed around, you know hang for dear life. And then when the opportunity was there, they seized it and they might have to do the same thing on Sunday. Yeah. And for you and I, it is a race to Sunday because I cannot wait as I'm really looking forward to the game. Looking forward to seeing you in the press box before the game and catching up a little bit more. Yeah. Really do really take, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on with us here today, Nate. And uh, yeah, we will see you on Sunday for what, what could rival bills Vikings as game of the year. Oh, don't don't set it up, Jay. Now they're going to do it. Oh, no. It's just, oh, man. All right. Good to uh, hear from Nate. Jay, major takeaway. Yeah, the, the, the first question I ask him about how they're, they're even more dynamic without Tyreek Hill, and part of it is being forced to adjust to a new scheme without that explosive threat, but more so – you know, Nate saying that Mahomes is more patient and methodical this year, almost as a direct result of, of what the Bengals were able to do to him last year and dropping eight guys in coverage and and really flustering him in that AFC championship game. And, you know, you, you have to think that when other teams are going to see that and, and try to mimic it. And they have they are operating quite a bit differently this year and they are. They are putting together longer drives, and most of their touchdowns are not only coming in the red zone, but coming inside the ten yard line. And um, it's it's not these big, huge plays over the top, and um, that's that plays into the Bengals' hands. The Bengals are the number six red zone defense. Uh, that's that's going to be a big part of this game um, when Kansas City gets down in that red zone, and, and what the Bengals can do against them. Yeah, I mean. They they play very they live very similar lives right I mean mm-hmm. the, the Bengals and the Chiefs see a lot of the same defenses they see they seen a lot of the deep shells I mean we talked about it was almost laughable how the people you could draw similarities to the Chiefs last year as the league reacted to them and the deep ball and the explosion for the first time and they struggled through the first half you know of the season we were three and four and they they got it figured out and ended up, you know, right there with the Bengals in the in the conference championship game at home. And so similar things this year. Like the defense adjusts to the Bengals, takes them a while to figure it out. Now they've figured it out. They're playing a more methodical brand. They can be explosive when necessary, when given opportunities. But for the most part, their ability to play more efficiently is just killing teams uh, because they're just getting completion after completion after completion and testing 
the defensive coordinator's patience that way. The Chiefs have evolved in that way too. And that's, you know, an interesting part to now they come back against the, the, the team and the defense that did this to them for the first time. It's not like this has not been done by others before though. I mean, I think the the way that Lou Anarumo and this team did it was far more, should have far more been the story than the fact that they did. It's not like it's never been tried to drop a bunch of players before or whatever, um, but to do it in a manner that confused the, the, the quarterback. I know Nate wouldn't go with short-circuited, which is people talked about what the second half was for Mahomes in the AFC Championship game, but you know, to keep the quarterback constantly guessing and unsure of what he's looking at while you're dropping that many people, and then to have the sort of relentless pass rushers in Hubbard and Hendrickson, and then whoever's coming out of the middle, Reader Hill, whatever, to eventually keep it hemmed in so he's not getting out of the pocket as much and making those Mahomes plays that you see a million times um, and occasionally getting there or forcing him to just throw it away. You know, it's the way that they did it, the nature in which they played that set it off. And it, and that's the question is, I think they still go to some versions of that today because that's who they are. Like they just do different things. That's who Lou Anaruma has been all last year, all this year is – making everything look the same until it's very different afterwards. And sometimes that's a zero blitz. Sometimes that's a drop eight. Sometimes that's a inverted water buzz, like whatever doki double bugs, like whatever we're talking about, all the language (laughs) that we've used this year. uh, It it make it's keeping Mahomes off balance. I think that's the key more than it is exactly how you do it. The, the zero blitz is a great point because a lot of people talk about the play right before halftime of the AFC Championship game with Eli Apple making the tackle on Tyreek Hill. The the play right before halftime in that Week 17 game, you you don't zero blitz it. Patrick Mahomes just like you don't zero blitz Joe Burrow. You're you're playing with fire there, and Lou did it. They were desperate and they they dialed up the zero blitz. Um, flustered Mahomes. He threw the ball away. They had to settle for a, a field goal. And then everybody saw what the, the Bengals were able to do in the second half and 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 make that huge comeback. I, I It's not like you're going to see Lou Anarumo blitz Patrick Mahomes a lot, but he's not afraid to do it in spots just to keep him off balance. And um, it is. It's, it's going to be an incredible chess match to watch because it's it's not just what his game plan is right now getting ready for the game. It's, it's what do they go to at halftime? What, what changes do they make? We've seen him do this so many times where you just kind of flip it in the second half. If it's not working, um, it's the, the, I am interested to see and particularly how, if they just play a bunch of zone and, and try to limit Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field. Um, I, I think that's the number one concern with Tyreek Hill out of the picture. They've got a lot of guys catching a lot of balls, making a lot of plays, including Juju Smith Schuster, who I'm sure Bengal fans are going to be excited to see reunite with Von Bell, but it it comes down to stopping Kelsey and and are are they going to do the Trey Flowers thing and, and just man him up on him, or are they going to do zone and and just try to have Kelsey sit down and then rally and wrap and get him down, let him have 10, 11 catches, but make it be for 50, 60 yards. Yeah, Kelsey's got five touchdowns the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, you know he's. 
115, 106, 81, 98, 108 yards. All of these teams that were victims of this stat line um, said, we got to stop Kelsey. <laughs> yep. Right? Like, just good luck to you. I mean, Andy Reid is gonna has been scheming things. They've been finding ways to make it work. They've got you know Isaiah Pacheco now at running back, who they're working plays for out of the backfield, even and and you know, they're they're just they're they're hot. You mentioned it with Nate Jay. I mean, five straight wins with at least four hundred and thirty-seven yards in every one. I mean, they're 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 on another plane. So they're just they're mm. they're on another plane. If that to be happening without Tyree Kill has been the crazy thing about this year. Let's circle back to the red zone real quick, Jay, because we started yeah. on it, but we need to finish it. I wrote about it this week. We've talked about it for a couple of weeks now. The red zone heater that the Bengals are on has been a game changer for them. They've been so good. Um, so the interesting thing, though, when going back through those stats is when I was doing the the numbers for the Bengals story, and you can go back and look at that. It's up. It's up on the site um, where the Bengals are first. Uh, if you go back to week six since the Philly special incident uh, in Baltimore, 16, they have 17 straight touchdowns. Um, but, you know, 17 touchdowns, one field goal, no turnovers. First in the league in that span. Absurd numbers that just shouldn't happen in the NFL. Same span, Chiefs are 19th. 14 touchdowns, eight field goals, three turnovers. They were one for six last week against the Rams. Mm-hmm. If you're, yeah, you you mentioned it, you know, can the Bengals defense stop them? Can they replicate that? You know, two teams that have been in very different levels of confidence down there uh, in a game that will be decided probably by who gets touchdowns, not field goals. Four-point swings. Uh, with two great offenses like this, feels like it's a difference. It's 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 worth mentioning uh, what has been going on there lately. Yeah, and it's it's both sides. It's not just the the red zone offenses of these teams. I, I mentioned earlier, the Bengals are number six in red zone defense. They are gonna test the Chiefs in the red zone. Flip side, Chiefs defense number thirty two in the league. In red zone defense, they're not stopping anybody down there. And you, here come the Bengals with 17 of the last 18 trips, resulting in touchdowns. You feel good about where this the Bengals offense is. I mean, it's almost like you can go to the concession stand when the ball is between the 20s, and this game is <laughs> going to come down to what happens once they get in the red zone. And it it completely is in the Bengals' favor right now with how hot they are offensively, how bad the Chiefs' defense are, and and how the the Chiefs have have struggled a little bit. Um, the last, I mean, the one for six was glaring, but it's it's not been great since their bye week in week eight, and that's where they've lived this year. Nine of their eleven touchdown, last eleven touchdowns have been in the red zone. Thirty-two of thirty-eight for the year. They're eighty-four percent of their touchdowns coming in the red zone this year, is sixth highest in the league. Last year they were in the bottom half of the league because they were getting those big explosive plays and not not driving down the field as much. And then they were good in the red zone when they got there, but they weren't relying on that for their points. So I, I do. I, I real. I think the Bengals' red zone defense is going to be the key. You feel good about their chances if they stop them once down there. If they stop them twice in the red zone, it, it feels like this is a Bengals win. I I don't know if Sean McVay has a dog in the fight, but like <laughs> we do know that there's relationships 
Uh, we talked about yeah. it a lot when they had joint practices here. Not the bad ones that happened when Aaron Donald was swinging a helmet at another human's head. <laughs> but like, uh, y- you know, the relationships on the coaching staff, how there were so many and they all had the big dinner together. You got to feel a couple of calls or were made of what did you think? What did you see? How what happened in the red zone? Like why? Were we, you know, uh, you can see the film, but to hear some of the game plan stuff, how it played out, some of the mm-hmm. details to carry that over from what the Rams were doing last week uh, down there, I think could, you know, I got to feel a text was sent, right? Like at some point, maybe, uh, maybe we'll see. We'll see. But that maybe, that, yes. I was saying maybe it went the other way. Maybe Sean was asking Zach for some uh, tips before the Rams <laughs> actually played the Chiefs last and it week. it paid off. Uh, also, you know, the red zone turnover can be a killer. Jay, you've got a stat on Joe Burrow in that one. I do. So he, he's gone 70 com- straight completion or 70 straight attempts in the red zone without throwing an interception. That's the sixth longest active streak in the NFL. Now, some of the names ahead of you might surprise there's ahead of him might surprise you. The number at the top of the list stunned me. So Tua is fifth at 85 straight. Matthew Stafford is fourth at 127. Baker Mayfield, third, 169. Matt Ryan, and I sorry, I lost the number on Matt Ryan. He's ahead of Baker. Tom Brady, no surprise, top of the list. Care to guess oh my God. what his streak is of consecutive attempts in the red zone without a pick? And while you're thinking about it, let me see if I can find this Matt Ryan. I mean, the, I, w- I don't know what I would have guessed before that setup of makes me assume it's like the most astronomical number ever. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say. What, 600? Is that like a – No, no, not quite that okay, high. Matt Ryan's 194. Matt Ryan's 194. Tom- what is he? Yeah, Matt Ryan's 194. He's second. Okay, what's Tom Brady? I don't know. 330. Jesus. The last red zone in the last red zone interception that Tom Brady threw was week five of 2019. Wow. Uh, Washington player by the name of Monte Nicholson. I, I, he's not even in the league anymore. <laughs> but that's just that's amazing. I mean, Burrow 70 is sixth longest active streak, and Brady is almost five times as long as that. You mean future? New England Patriot Tom Brady is that who you're referring to? <laughs> Jeff Howe, our, our uh, colleague, with some reports of, hey, remarry is possible. You know, yeah. Giselle's gone. Go back to the old flame. Belichick is that? <laughs> was she really Yoko in the Patriots drama? Is that really what it was? Now Yoko's gone. Go back. What happened? Uh, that's for another podcast. Would, Go listen to the Patriots. Yeah, that would be pod. stunning. Uh, so that's really that's really interesting, though. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that continues and what happens. But you know that three red zone turnovers for the Chiefs this year uh, certainly significant and something the Bengals would love to see if they could make something happen. All right, um, let's get into uh, run pass or boot, Jay. Uh, I, okay, so we've got one here. I like this one. I like run passer boots. If you're listening, you can share this with your friends that you're in at the tailgate with the extra three hours to, to enjoy it. You got, you got time to fill, throw some fictional money down or real money down, whatever you want to do. We don't really care. Uh, run passer boot. What will be higher? Travis Kelsey receiving yards, 
Joe Burrow passer rating, Bengals combined touchdown yardage. Now, Jay, what are the numbers in the last two games against the Chiefs for Bengals combined touchdown yardage, the yardage on all their touchdown touchdowns? So in the Week 17 game last year, it was 160. If you remember, Chase had a 72-yarder and a 69-yarder, and the Bengals scored more touchdowns in that game. In the AFC Championship game, it was 43, and 41 of those were on the screen pass to Samaj P. Ryan. The other touchdown was a two-yarder, the pass to Chase. So um, big difference there, uh, big variation. I, I'm going to run with Burrow's passer rating. I just this is just shaping up to be a, a Joe Burrow type of game, and I, I think he's going to be up there. I'll pass on Kelsey receiving yards. He's just he's he's about to go over a thousand yards already this season. There, even if the Bengals do a good job of containing him, it, it still feels like eighty ninety is the floor on that. And then I'm gonna. I'm going to boot combined touchdown yards because I don't. I think the Chiefs and in, in Spagnuolo learned the lesson last year, and and you kind of saw that they they didn't let Chase get loose for a lot of deep stuff in that AFC Championship game. I think that continues uh, this week against both Chase and Higgins. They're going to make the Bengals drive down the field, and the Bengals have proven they can do that. But I, I think if the Bengals score touchdowns, they're going to be from in close, from in the red zone, and um, you know. Even if you get four touchdowns, if they're inside the 20, you're, you're talking about 80, 80 combined yards top. So that's the way I'm going to go. You know, Kelsey was held to 57 yards last week. And that's the, I mean, I ripped off the numbers before what he was doing before. Mm. That's the first time you've seen a dent in the armor, so to speak. Um, ah, man. And, and the, you know what? In credit Cincinnati and Lou Adarima for what they did last year of finding ways to, to take him out of it. Um, and maybe they still do. Uh, I am going to be with you. I'm going to run with Burrow passer rating. I still think that is the I, – I, I agree. I I see him having a good game because he's been having pretty much only good games to this point. Um, I will pass on the combined touchdown yardage. I do think they'll find an explosive or two. Um, I just do. You know what the way they they were throwing the ball up to Higgins, the success that they've had, that Chase has had when he's out. I just feel like it feels like a Chase return big play is going to be in the books somewhere, and uh, and I'll boot Kelsey receiving yards, but that's not me thinking that that's going to be a low number. I just I I do think that you're gonna see. I think the Bengals are going to score a bunch of touchdowns, and that at least one or two of them will be relatively explosive. So. Um, you know, I like to do this. Let's do, I'll go the numbers. Burrow passer rating, 122. Bengals combined touchdown yardage, 97. Kelsey receiving yards, 86. There we go. Mark it down. Have I ever been, like, I right did. on all of these? Um, I don't be- I don't have my uh, run passer boot logs called up. I'll check that. Yeah, I, we, you've we, done it a couple times. I feel like I've been doing there's been a few that I've been close, maybe. Yeah. There was one that was close, but uh yeah, I don't know that you well, it would be real it would be almost impossible. It's like winning three growler bets at once to get them all right. But <laughs> what if it happened? <laughs> uh all right. Speaking of Jay, let's yes. go to Bengals Growler bet. Um Bengals Growler bet. You know, we love a good time of game around here. So I think we're going to go that direction today. If you want to have some delicious 50 West beer, the ice skating rink is up down there, by the way. If you want to 
good, wholesome family fun, or had too many beers and want to go hurt yourself fun. Also in play with the ice skating rink up at 50 West, Downton Brewery. Um, and I believe happy 10th anniversary to them opening down there. I think I saw that. A shout out Optimistic Bobby on everything they've had going on. Uh, some delicious 50 West beer can be yours if you get it correct. Send me an email, pdanyardtheathletic.com or hashtag Bengals Growler bet to us on Twitter. Make sure you have Growler in the subject header of the email. Again, we appreciate anybody that uses funny subject headers with the word Growler in it. I like those. It makes me happy. If you care about my happiness, you don't have to. But if you do, feel free. Uh, time of game of the final lead change. So the play, the time of the game of the play is the final lead change in this game. Now, of course, we're not going to let you off easy, people. I understand the like three-second field goal is the most, probably would be the most answered specific time. If, you're, if your guess is inside the final five seconds of the game, you have to include the distance of that play. So length of field goal or whatever. Um, what are we going to say, Jay? What's our buffer? Are we feeling Are we feeling the Christmas spirit, or is it still too early to go Christmas spirit and be nice? Um, yeah, let's go two seconds. Two seconds. Bah humbug, Jay Morrison says. <laughs> two seconds. You have to be within an either direction of the time of the final lead change in this game between the Bengals and Chiefs. P. Daner at theathletic.com or hashtag Bengals Growler bet. Please send those submissions in. If you win, Delicious 50 West Beer can be yours. Jay, do you have any Arby's for us before we get into predictions? Um, I just – I I really enjoyed – so I reached out to to Ted Karras on Monday to, to try to talk to him about that video. And um, he didn't text back, which is fine. I mean, players have their own stuff going on. Um, I asked him on Wednesday. I was like – uh, I just want to make sure, do I have your number right? And I showed him and he's like, yep, that's me. I was like, did you get my text on Monday? He's like, let me show you my phone. And he just starts <laughs> scrolling through. He had, I mean, his phone was blown up by that. Um, I mean, you know how viral that went. So you imagine everybody that knows Ted, players, friends, family, all that. It, he he still uh, yesterday had 175 unread texts that he hadn't got to. And he had been responding to some of them, but he said, you know, he didn't want to just say thanks and move on to the next. He wanted to, and he said, there's a lot of people that texted him that he cares about a lot. And he wanted to give thoughtful, conscientious responses. So, um, I just, I just thought that was, I, it didn't even dawn on me that his phone would have blown up like that after that moment. And so, uh, no offense taken, but that, that he didn't text me back. Yeah, that is great. Um, uh, I, I don't really have a great one today uh, other than I just was really happy to have Jamar Chase's laugh back. Like uh, <laughs> Jeremy Rao and I were talking about this uh, on the way out of whether you get more. It, it was it was they went back to back press conferences. OK, um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And they both, I think, were similar in time. And the, his question was this. What was more Joe Burrow size? Or Jamar Chase laughs, right? So it's like that's the two <laughs> things that they do a lot. Of. Joe, when you ask him, a, when you ask him a question and he thinks about it, he, he it starts the same way. Uh, 
Like it's it's always kind of like if it, he's really like, and I'm not sure if that means he's like totally not enthused or just really wants to think about it. And Jamar, he just loves to just start laughing at some question. Like he just he really enjoys it, and he's got a very contagious, funny laugh. And so he said it was. Uh, Jamar Chase laughs one by two in this one, but they were both high numbers. Uh, so anyway, it was a fun it, it was a fun discussion, and I, I do always enjoy both. So try try listening to a Joe Burrow press conference now, not hearing a, a couple of those in the beginning. The uh, as he as he drops a sigh and thinking about whatever the question is, or thinking about how he hates your question. Also possible. <laughs> I dropped my own sigh in yesterday, uh, thanks to Jeremy actually, as I was trying to ask a question to Joe. It, it's these, you know, these things, there's just a lot of people in there and a lot of people want to get their questions in. And so the, the concept of having a conversation in a press conference is just so hard. It's just so hard to do because everyone's mm-hmm. waiting for the, the answer to finish so they can jump in. I had a question that was essentially a setup to another question, you know, a string that I wanted to run out with, with Joe, starting with the idea of uh, his favorite moment from the Week 17 win last year, whether it was in the locker room, whether it was after that, whether it was before, during the game, whatever, trying to set up something talking about the difference between winning locker rooms and the attitude of the celebrations this year versus those last year, which last year being sort of the breakthrough, the the team that's learning to win, and this one being one of very much of a confidence of we're supposed to be here. Curious his thoughts on the differences. It wasn't a great answer uh, because he wasn't real interested in my question uh, <laughs> of, of revisiting last year. And as soon as I went to drop the second string in, Jeremy just – just slapped another question right on top of me, and I, I gave a sigh. And I, it may have been louder than I realized because a couple people talked to me about it after the game and kind of <laughs> laughed. I was just like, just ah, no shot to get the string. You just can't string. You just can't string anything in those presents. It's impossible. So, so big thumbs down to me for poorly for poorly done job in the press conference trying to string a bad question onto another bad question. I don't miss zooms at all, but I do miss. Um, Jamar Chase is how you doing? How you doing? Because how you doing? <laughs> that's how he started. Then it would, anyone who would pop up on Zoom would say, "How you doing, Jamar?" And that would be his response every time we we played it as a bit when he when he first got here. And uh, we haven't got that since uh, since we're back in person. And that's a a small price to pay for being actually able to talk to these guys face to face. Love that. How you doing? Okay, Jay. <laughs> the time has come. Uh, I, I do want to clarify oh, a couple on okay. Well, because we haven't made our growler bet picks yet. Oh, that's right. Um, we let's. It's not lead change because this. I've had spirited debates about this. About if a team leads the entire game and never trails, and the game's tied, and then they kick the field goal to win, that's not a lead change. So technically, it's when will the winning points be scored um, in the game. Um, so if they if you score a touchdown and the team never ties it that that first touchdown the first quarter that's when the winning points are scored. So, um, and two seconds sounds Scrooge-ish, but really it's four. It's two in either direction. So you, you've got a four second buffer there. You're still. I'm Scrooge. going. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm I'm gonna dip into history. I'm gonna say 33 seconds. <laughs> the Bengals take the lead with 33 seconds left, and this time. Mahomes is not able to get him down the field and force it into overtime. Uh, I'm tempted to go overtime, uh, <laughs> but I don't know that I'm going to go for the overtime call. I'm just going to say uh, 226 in the fourth quarter. Wow. 
uh, is going to be is going to be my time. Two twenty six fourth quarter. That's what I'm going with. Um. All right, Jay. The time has come. Prediction time is here. The Bengals and the Chiefs Sunday four twenty five. Battle of Behemoths. Burrow Mahomes three. What say you? I kind of gave it away there on my growler bet, but I just want to point out that it sounds crazy, but Andy Reid, no doubt, Hall of Fame coach, the Bengals are his kryptonite. That Bengals have won six of the last seven against the Chiefs overall. That goes to 2008. Andy Reid showed up in 2013. Bengals are three and one against Andy Reid as Chiefs coach. That 250 winning percentage is his lowest against any of the other 31 teams in the league. Those three losses to the Bengals are the same amount of losses he has to the Raiders, a division opponent he's faced 19 times. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. And you count his time in Philly, the Bengals are 4-2-1 and one against him. Um, 357 winning percentage for Reed. That's his third lowest against any franchise in his entire coaching career. So Bengals have his number. They have the Chiefs number. If, if, if Joe Burrow can win this, he will join Tom Brady as the only quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes three times. It's taken Brady six games to do it. Burrow would do it three in a row. I just, I, I, I like the Bengals in this game. I, I, I just the, the way they played with Jamar Chase out, getting him back. The Chiefs didn't look that impressive last week against the Rams. Um, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be the fun, exciting game we all expect. But Evan McPherson, late field goal, 31-28. Bengals. Wow. Uh, picking the Bengals to be the Chiefs. You know, I, I've been on the fence about this one all week. You know, I feel like every day I wake up with a different, like, totally, like, authoritative view of definitely this. And then the next day, I feel the exact opposite just as strongly. I, and it comes down to this. And I'm not trying to be swayed by Twitter beef. Okay? Like, I don't, I, I enjoy it. Uh, it's fun, but I do think there's just a lot of the attitude of this Bengals team, what they have going right now, and still that feeling of disrespect they seem to be feeding off of in the process, and Justin Reed didn't help but put more fuel onto that fire, mm-hmm. um, I do think matters. Um, I think they feel like they have a point to prove. I think they're playing great. I know Jamar Chase coming back is is going to be a big energy boost for this offense to take a next step. And I agree with what we've been talking about. There's a reason that topic was something we spent a bunch of time on. I think the red zone is going to be significant. And I think you can see the Chiefs talking about how, mm, you'll read a story by Nate Taylor coming out of Sunday's game. That was that was good. Uh, wasn't quite chiefy, right? Like a little <laughs> bit of there's a little bit of that going on. They don't have a Cole Hardman. You know, you heard Nate r- ripping off all the people that are gonna that are missing that they're trying still trying to put some pieces together on. It's Mahomes, man, and he's real. And but I just I I think the the Bengals are as good as anybody in the league the way they're playing right now, and I think they know this is an opportunity to prove it. And I just, I'm going to go with them. Bengals 35, 
perfect in the red zone. Chiefs 32 uh, is going to be my final. And I do. I, I just think that they they have something cooking right now in particular. The fact that they're so healthy, the fact that they're so motivated, the fact that they're back at home after being gone for a while. There's just a lot of things in place that make me think this could be the Bengals' chance to reestablish themselves again against the Chiefs as, hey, you know, they got to come play us. They're the defending champs and a chance to reestablish themselves as one of the real contenders. I think they do. Home underdogs, too. More disrespect. More disrespect. More disrespect. Uh, All right, Jay, it's going to be a fun one. It is. Can't wait. Very excited for Sunday. Uh, Second biggest game of the weekend. (laughs) OU going to get that. Look, (laughs) it's coming. It's coming. 50 plus. How many years is it since they won the MAC? 1968. I was two years old. And I'm going to Detroit to watch the drought end. Wow. Dedication. Yes. Got to do it with the backup quarterback. People are list that have hung around for this minute of the podcast. <laughs> Shout out to you if you want more Bobcat. You know what we should shift into, Jay, right now is Survivor Talk. While we've got oh. the hardcores here with us right now, we got yeah. like the eight that are like, you know what? I like Paul and Jay even when they talk about the Bobcats. Like I, those of you, the people that sent us the Spotify thing that had us with our number one with like eight million minutes listened to for thank you for for, well yeah and we apologize, Uh, but (laughs) you know they're the ones that are here for Survivor Talk one one of a great episode great this season has Mm. been very good it has it has taken off a little bit lately I enjoyed the episode uh, from from last night although I. The way people are holding on to all their idols and advantages, mm. I think is a is ba- get them out there, play them, make moves with yeah. them. There's a lot of hoarding that it, that it's not. They got to figure out a way to fix that. People got to be more motivated to use their idols and advantages earlier rather than just hoarding them so that everyone plays their advantages in like you know at five. Yeah, put an expiration date on them. More, yeah, more expiration know, we'll, we'll, dates. Yes. Yeah. But, but it was it was a great episode. I a lot of times I was like, oh, that would be a fun challenge to do. Oh. Last night's nope, no. no, I want no part of that. Can you Im- basically just drowning yourself over and over again? What yeah. a terrible no, thing! I like I can't imagine anything I'd want to do less. No, Absolutely. even for a million dollars, no thanks. Yeah, no, 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 thank you at all. Um, do you have a favorite here with uh, as, as we're down to six? Who who you think is going to come out on top? Yeah, I know we talked about this uh, in the press box before the Pittsburgh game. Uh, I I like Cody a lot. I, I really do. I, I I think he's he's played a good game. I agree with you. I like your pick too. Um, but yeah, I, I'm Team Cody. Yeah, I still think Jesse. But it is unbelievable that 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 those two are under the radar. How is no one targeting Jesse? Like they're sitting here at 7 <laughs> talking about who like that's uh that is uh the perfect reason to appreciate his game. He has somehow yeah. despite being in my opinion the clearest big target out there that was available to be voted for because Cody had the uh the uh pick your champion immunity. Mm-hmm. No one's even talking about him. Like that is the hardest part of the game is to stay in that middle where you're not at the bottom and you're not at the top. He has done it perfectly. I don't know how he's had other people as the target and been able to avoid it while they're still driving the ship and people know it, but yet still don't vote for them. 
or think about voting mm-hmm. for them. Remarkable. That's why he's playing a great game. I cannot believe that he he has not uh, been more targeted. And now he's he's sitting on idols. He's he's you know he he's got a clear path to get himself to the end. And maybe it will be him and Cody. But uh, looking forward to the next couple, the last two episodes, I guess, uh, of the season. Those of you that stuck around to the end <laughs> got a treat. Such a little treat that you that I know you all wanted. The cross section. I appreciate. There's also uh, Dalton Ross. Uh, is a big – he writes about Survivor, um, and he's like the number one Survivor media person. But he also loves the Washington Commanders and has a podcast called Surviving Snyder where literally they just talk <laughs> about Survivor and the Washington Commanders. And I feel like the nine of you still listening right now can really appreciate someone who goes that deep into a niche. Like, give me that, okay? Let's go all the way in. So thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed our survivor takes. All right. On that note, seriously, I yep. if you like if you went to OU and love Survivor and are a Bengals fan, this was just the podcast for you. The last 10 minutes. Let's have beers. Have, let's have, yeah, we're probably already friends, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and you, Jay. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We will uh, talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>